go go ahead and turn to the book of Esther. In fact, if you want to turn to the book of Esther, chapter 9, to Esther chapter 9, we're seeing the holy days or the holidays of the nation of Israel, sets the nation apart, they're different than all the other people that remind them of what God has done, and they're foreshadows as well. We're looking at the Feast of Purim as a book that gives great truth about God without ever mentioning God. He's never mentioned in a book. Just think about this. This is a book in the Bible talking about what happens to somebody named Esther and some other things. And the, 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 the word God is never mentioned. And we'll see how it works this, this morning. We're going to see this feast. It's a great, powerful study, a powerful, and it's fun to study it, and we'll see it. Well, have you ever, have you ever been invited to a costume party? I, I don't, I've been invited, but I don't usually go in, in a costume. But anyway, sometimes it's fun to dress, dress up. When we have a hallelujah party, uh, that, that we people come in and they dress as Bible characters. It's really great. Well, in Israel, every year the people dress up, sort of like our Halloween, but it's called Feast of Purim. They paint their faces. They they wear funny faces. Uh, they do a lot of things. It's a time of joy and celebration as the nation remembers how God provided them and protected them. And that's what we're going to see. And, and we're going to just see the celebration today and how, uh, basically the story of what happened and how that, how that came about. So we'll look at this. Now, remember, we're seeing that... There are five sections uh, of the different feasts, weekly feasts, monthly feasts, yearly feasts. We're looking at a yearly feast today. Then there's non-yearly and special. We'll see those as time goes by. We've seen seven feasts from Leviticus chapter 23, and we saw those. And let me just remind you of something, okay? So there's Passover which the, that's the 14th day of the first month is Passover. That's where Jesus is the Passover lamb. He died on Passover. There's unleavened bread, which is a picture of no sin. That's the sinful, sinless life, life of Jesus Christ. Then there's the Feast of First Fruits, where Jesus rose from the grave on the Feast of First Fruits. There's the Feast of Pentecost, which is uh, a little bit, it's 50 days from First Fruits, and it was a mystery, but it's actually the beginning of the church. Trumpets, which are blown at the first of the new year on the first day of the seventh month. It, it was the idea of gathering a nation and even the church. And then there's the day of atonement, which is the only feast of these seven feasts that are sad. When I say sad, it, they afflict their souls. They think about their sin. The great high priest goes and covers the sin of the nation of Israel forever, uh, for an year. But Jesus Christ comes and pays for sin forever. And then finally, the Feast of Tabernacles, which we saw that. It looked back to the time when they were in Israel. It reminded them of even today what the Jewish people do. And then it looks forward to the future, to the future of Jesus Christ coming in the millennial kingdom. So we saw all of that. Well, we're going to do in this week and next week, we will see the Feast of Purim and the Feast of Hanukkah. A lot of people have heard of Hanukkah. They say, oh, Hanukkah, that's the Jewish Christmas. No, it's not. It's not a Christmas. It has nothing to do with Christmas or Christ or anything. It just happens around the same time of the year, and we'll talk about that. But this morning, we're going to talk about the Feast of Purim. The Feast of Purim, we're going to get the background, we're going to get the story from Esther, and we'll get the significance and how it all tied together. So let's start with the background. And the word Purim actually comes from a, the word pur, which means to lot. It's a Persian word. It has an idea that means a, a cast a lot. And uh, it's pl plural, so it's like you had two dice. Let me just throw it that way. It's like you throw out dice, you cast the lots, you cast, and Purim, you cast lots. You've seen in the, in the, in the Bible where the people cast lots to decide something. If they say, well, should we do this or do this? And they cast lots and it came up this. We're not sure whether some lots were like yes and no or something else. But anyway, we'll talk about what, it, what these lots were when time came. At the time of Esther, lots were cast to determine the day of the destruction of the Jews by an enemy. Now, that's the story of Esther. Lots were cast 
to destroy the Jewish people. We're going to see in a little bit, there was a man who hated Jews and he wanted to kill every Jew in the world and he got permission to do it, or so he thought, and that's what the book is about. It falls on the 14th day, on the 15th day of the 12th month. Uh, for the nation of Israel. Uh, uh, So we'll see how that ties together in a little bit. Uh, Let's start with history for just a second. King David was the king of Israel. He lived a thousand years before Jesus. So think about that. Then, after uh, David was Solomon, and after Solomon died, the nation divided into two kingdoms. Israel to the north, the capital was Samaria. Judah to the south, the capital was Jerusalem. No king of the northern empire was ever a believer. And some, king, some kings in the southern empire were. Well, what happened is, in 721 B.C., Israel was, went into captivity by the Assyrians. That's the northern empire. In 585 B.C., Judah went into captivity by the Babylonians. Actually, 605 B.C., 598, and 585, three different times, they were taken off into captivity. They were going to be taken into captivity, and God already told them in Jeremiah they would be in captivity for 70 years. And guess what? How long do you think they were in captivity? Exactly 70 years. And God raised up uh, from the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, and there was this king, this leader called Cyrus, and it had already been written four or five hundred years before there was a Cyrus, God put in the word of God that a king by the name of Cyrus would be raised up and let the nation of Israel go back. Guess what? King by the name of Cyrus was raised up and let the nation of Israel go back. And what went back, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah tell about it. Ezra talks about the rebuilding the, uh, the temple and Nehemiah talks about rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. But guess what? A lot of Jews didn't go back. You, they had been living there for 70 years, and some of these people, this is the only, that's the only place they ever knew. And so instead of going back to Israel, which would have been hard, they decided to stay in Persia and, and be there and just live there. And the book of Esther is the story of the Jews who remained in Persia. And, and so this takes place about 480 to 460 years before Jesus And we're going to see what God does. And so I'm going to put up the story from Esther. And 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 before I'm going to I'm going to give you a quick brief overview of it, and then we'll put some slides up. But at the time, there was a king called Xerxes. He was very powerful. He was the king of the Persian Empire, Medio Persian Empire. The Greco Macedonians were coming to power, and he was a little bit afraid. And so he was in his big palace, and he decided to have a party. There are Jewish people everywhere, but he decided to have this party, and he brought in all his leaders, and they all got drunk. And when he got drunk, he said, I want my queen, Vashti, I'm going to bring her in, I want everybody to see her, make sure she wears her crown. Well, the way it's written in, in the language, we're not sure whether he was just wanting her to come in there without any clothes on or just to come in there. Well, he sent word, bring her in, and she didn't come. She said, I'm not going. So they came back to him and said, she's not going. And he went, what? What are we going to do? And then some of the other people said, what are we going to do? When the word gets out that a woman, a wife, doesn't obey her husband, we're going to all be in trouble. So they said to Xerxes, just dismiss her, get rid of her, and she can no longer be queen, and that'll get rid of her. So he got rid of her. And everybody said, good job. But then time went by, and he thought, you know, I kind of need a queen. And so, let's do, and so they came to him, and they said, why don't we do this? And tell me if you think this would appeal to a man. What we're going to do is we're going to go out and find all of the beautiful young women who aren't married and pick out the most beautiful, all of them, bring them into the palace, 
And then you'll get to be with each one anytime you want, as long as you want. And then you'll say yes or no. And if, if it's a no, they'll go to the, har- the harem and they'll be there for the rest of their lives. If it's a yes, that means they're going to be your new queen. And so he said, that sounds like a pretty good idea to me. <laughs> so they decided to do They started picking all of the most beautiful girls. Now, there had to be a girl by their name. Her name was Hadassah, which her other name was Esther. And she was Jewish, and she, her parents were dead, and she was been raised by a guy named, by the name of Mordecai. And he raised her. He was like an uncle to her, and he was older. And the word came, and they came to get her because she was so pretty. And he told her, don't tell them you're Jewish. Don't tell them you're a Jew. She said, okay, I won't say a word. So she gets there. She gets in the thing. She's picked it up. And then her time comes. And sure enough, she comes to be with the king. And he says, you're the one. And he picked her. And Esther, a Jew, without him even knowing it, has become the queen of Persia. And everything looked so good. And right after that, Mordecai kind of got some, maybe got moved up a little bit, and, so, and he had some good positions. And one night, he was by the gate, and he heard two guards talking, and they were going to go kill the king. And so he sent word to Esther. He said, I got word that these two guards, they're going to try to kill the king. You better warn him. And she went and told the king. They came back. These two guys came, and they captured him, and they saved the king's life. And Mordecai was never honored, never rewarded. He probably said, well, that's just the way it is. That's the way it is. Well, after that, this man named Haman, and he was a bad man. And when he came, to, he came and got raised up in the kingdom, and so the king said, you, you're really special. And when he would walk around, everybody would bow down to him. Except Mordecai. Mordecai's Jewish, and Mordecai says, I'm not bowing down to any man. I'm not worshiping any man. And, and Haman would come by, and, and Mordecai would just stand there. And Haman was really, boss. Oh, he was a jealous man. He was envious. He said, that guy does not bow down to me. And they asked Mordecai, why don't you bow down to him? He said, because I'm Jewish. I'm not bowing down. Well, Haman got so mad, he decided that he would go to the king and he would trick the king. He would say, king, there's a whole bunch of people in your kingdom that don't follow your laws and they're not good people and I'm going to pay a whole bunch of money and we'll wipe them all out. And the king went, okay, here, here's my ring. Put that on so you can do that. Well, that sound, the king said, I don't know who these people are. Haman knew though. So they cast lots to find out the day they would kill all the Jews. And it came up on the 13th day of the 12th month. And he said, that's they. And they put a decree out everywhere. Every, every, they were sent out to every city up on the wall. On the 12th day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, all Jewish people will be killed and everyone can take their property. Well, Mordecai went by and he went, hmm, there's a new sign up. And he saw it and he went, oh my goodness. They're going to kill us all. And some people might have even said, that's because you didn't bow down. And he said, I'm not, I'm not bowing down. And so the word was out. And it spread all over the whole kingdom, all the provinces. And, and everybody was, people were weeping. They were saying, you know, we've got, and, and by the way, it was probably almost a year from the time that they threw the lot to the time they were going to get killed was at least nine or ten months. So they had some time to figure out what to do, and they didn't know what to do. So Mordecai says, I'm going to send word to Esther. And he's wearing sackcloth, 
And Esther looks out and sees him going around in sackcloth, and she says, go tell my uncle to get some better clothes on. She doesn't know what's going on. She hadn't read the decree. So Mordecai sends word up to her and tells her everything is going on, that they're going to kill every Jew. And he actually says to her, do you think you will escape this? They'll find out you're Jewish and you'll be killed too. She doesn't know what to do. She sends word back down to him. I don't know what to do. I, I can't go see the king because he hadn't called for me in 30 days. And you just don't walk in on the king. If you walk in on the king and he's got a scepter, and if he doesn't put the scepter down and you get to touch the end of it, they'll kill you right then. And he hadn't called for me in 30 days. And so I just can't go in there and go, hello. And then they, they might not put the scepter down. That'd be the end of me. He says, well, if you don't do this, Help will have to come from somewhere because God's not going to allow his people to be killed. But he didn't say, remember, God's not mentioned in the book. He said, this won't happen. This won't happen. So she says her famous words, okay, I'll go in and see the king. And if I perish, I perish. So she goes in and she stands there and he goes, oh, wow. Yeah, come on up here. What's up? She said, well, I got an idea. I'd like to have a party tomorrow. And for you, and the only person, person I want to invite is the guy named Haman. He went, yeah, I know who he is. Okay, let's invite him to the party. Word gets out to Haman. You're going to come to the party with the queen and the king. That's the only ones. He goes, man, I am big time. I'm big time. And then they said to him, uh, well, this is really big. And he said, but the only thing, even though I'm happy, I still want to kill that Jew that Haman guy. And they said, why don't you make these gallows, which is like a long pole with a sharp end on it. And what we'll do is you can go in and ask the king, can you kill this one particular guy? And he'll say yes. And what we'll do is we'll take Mordecai and we'll put him on top of that pole. So go in and talk to the king next time you get a chance. He goes, okay, I'll do that. Well, they come to the party. And, and Haman's sitting there looking good. And she's there. And the king says, and he says, what did you call me for? What do you want? I'll give you up to half the kingdom. And she says, can we have another party tomorrow? And we don't know whether she got scared. We don't know if something happened, but all of a sudden she never told him about it. And she said, can we have another party tomorrow? So he says, yep. And Haman's, Haman's the only one coming back. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, she probably went home and said, I chickened out. I can't chicken out tomorrow. But the king went home, and he said, okay, I'm ready to go to bed. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep. And what do you do when you can't sleep? you got to read something boring. So he said, bring me some records, some of the records of the of this nation, some of the things that have happened in the last months, and I'll read them, and they'll put me to sleep. And so a guy brings it, and he starts reading them, and he reads that Mordecai saved his life and was never rewarded. And he said, you mean to tell me? That Mordecai saved my life and he was never recorded, rewarded. Well, I got to do something about this. About that time, very early in the morning, Haman decides to go in really early in the morning and ask the king, could he kill Mordecai? Now think about that. I'm going to kill Mordecai. And the king says, Mordecai is great. So Haman comes in and as Haman's coming in, the king said, oh, I'll tell Haman what to do. And so Haman walks in and the king says, what should I do? for a very special person that I want to honor. Haman thinks to himself, that's me. That's me. Who else would he want to honor? He said, well, what you could do is get him, let him ride on your horse and your clothes and a crown and everything and let somebody go in front of them saying, this is the man the king wants to honor. And the king goes, great idea. Do that for Mordecai. 
you do that for Mordecai. He goes, what? And so Mordecai gets the king's clothes, but, and Haman has to bring him through the city saying, this is the man the king wants to honor. And he's so embarrassed. He goes home and he says, I don't know what to do. And his wife, who's really a great encourager, says, you're going to get killed. You know that. You know that. This is a Jew, and it's hard to wipe Jews out. And let me tell you, you're in trouble. He says, no, 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 I still got the banquet. Somebody came to him and said, you got to get to the banquet. So he gets to the banquet. And there is Esther and him. And he's thinking, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. And he says to Esther the king, what do you want up to half the kingdom? And she said, I wouldn't bother you if it meant slavery to my people. But to kill us all, I just have to say it. There's a man that wants to kill me and all my people. And he goes, who would do such a thing? And she says, that man right there, Haman. And the king is so mad, he gets up and walks out. And Haman is so upset, he doesn't know what to do. And he gets, uh, she's on a couch, and he gets right beside her and is begging for his life. And the king comes in and says, are you attacking my queen? And one of the servants says, oh, by the way, he built this big old tall thing to kill Mordecai. And the guy says, well, you put it. king said, put him on it. And they put him on it. And it's over. Or so we think. But guess what? The decree is still coming in the law of the Medes and the Persians can never be changed. What are we going to do? They're coming to kill him. So they come and they talk to the king and they say, would you write a new decree to go with the old decree that basically says on the 13th day of the 12th month, the Jews can defend themselves. He said, sounds like a good idea. Send it out. And on that day, people attacked the Jews and the Jews killed them all. And they killed people in the city. They killed people in the country. And then she came back in the next day and the king said, we have wiped out these bad enemies. And she said, not exactly. Could we have one more day? He said, okay, one more day. And they killed more, and then it was over. And when it was over, Mordecai was raised to a great position, and the word went out everywhere, and they made a decree that for all Jewish people, on the 13th day and the 14th day, they will remember how God saved their lives, how they cast the lots to kill them, and God used Esther and Mordecai to save their lives. And that's called the Feast of Purim. And the Jewish people today... On the Feast of Purim, they dress up in, in clothes and, and, they, and they play, and then they read the book of Esther. And every time Haman's name is listed, they boo. And every time Mordecai or Esther's name is mentioned, they cheer and they drink. And they go, Cursed be to Haman, blessed be to. And they're supposed to do that until they can't tell the difference. That's what it says. So let's quickly. Let me just run through this for you. That's the story. So here, the quickly, here's the young Jewish girl named Hadassah and her parents and Mordecai. Mordecai told her not to be known. It was a Jew, she was a Jew. What happened out of all the women, she got chosen. And then Mordecai heard about the plot to kill the king, and he was not rewarded. And then Haman came in, and Mordecai wouldn't bow to him because he was a Jew. And so the lot is cast on the 13th day of the month of Adair, which was the 12th month in the Jewish calendar. And and he comes and tells her, and Esther says, well, if I perish, I perish. King can't sleep. 
He reads in the Chronicles about Mordecai. He makes Haman bring him around. Haman is put to death. A new decree. Jews can defend themselves, and it comes to pass. They have great victory. So at Esther chapter 9, look at verse 1. Now in the 12th month, on the 13th day, when the king's command and edict were put into effect, on that day when the enemies of the Jews were hoping to gain the mastery over them, it turned out to the contrary, so that the Jews themselves gained mastery over those who hated them. They gave the great, great victory. Let me I'll catch up because I went through all this on without notes. Okay, then, and then she says, let's have another day. And so uh, they killed more. And so in the country, Jews in the country only celebrate the 14th, but Jews in the city celebrate the 14th and the 15th. And I want you to understand that Esther 9, 23 through 26, if you read it, 23 through 26, that is actually the story of Esther in a little bit of form. It says, so the Jews undertook what they'd started. Haman wanted to do So you just read it, and there it is. That's the brief overview. So on the 14th day, on the fa- they call it the fast of Esther. The book of Esther is read. And they say, Haman, let his name be blotted out. And they hiss and boo and have these rattler things that they do. And every time his name is mentioned, they go, oh, Haman, oh, boo. And then Mordecai and Esther, every time their name is, they say, hallelujah, and praise God, yeah, yay, they're so great. And the tradition is drink till you can't tell which one you're saying. And on the 14th day, it's food, gifts. Gifts are given to the poor. They dress up. If you looked at it, you'd think it's like maybe Halloween or some kind of hallelujah party because everybody dresses up. You can imagine, what do you think little girls dress like? They drink like Esther. Exactly. Look just like her. So here's the two things. And we got, it. I can open up for questions in just a second. But the significance of the feast is twofold. It is the providence of God. Because when you read the book of Esther, and it's like 11, or 11 chapters or whatever, there's no mention of God in there. But he's behind everything. How come she chickened out? How come she didn't say that day? How come he couldn't sleep? How come they read the thing? How come it had to be Mordecai they read about? How come uh, it was Haman who read them around? How come he'd already built the gallows? How, I mean, how come everything fits perfectly? So in, in a Jewish calendar, the, the, uh, you never know. Purim is on the 12th month, and it could be, it's mostly in our spring. Mostly that's how it fits. Their first month is like our September, October. So count up like, you know, five more months and it puts you in the... So we're going to be... They're going to be celebrating the Feast of Purim pretty soon. And so when you celebrate them, you can remember it.